Hey, Joshua, how you doing today? Good. Glad to be with you again. Yeah, you know what we're doing today? We're, we're the Gary <laughs> Wilkerson podcast. Yes, yeah, the Gary yeah. Wilkerson podcast. Yeah, I do know. Good. Okay, well, welcome. Glad you're here with us today. We're looking forward to uh, continuing our series. We've been doing this. Uh, I think it's been a pretty interesting talk. <clears throat> on uh, let's see if we can uh, backtrack and remember what we were talking about for the past six six weeks. Uh, I remember one was love, like a radical love. Yeah, I think uh, the the sort of the title kind of pulls them all together, just the sort of 12 sort of markers of what yeah. revival might look like in this generation. Right. And maybe, you know, maybe, um, you know, you mentioned the fact that there are some markers or some, you know, prerequisites in every generation, preaching of God's word, repentance from sin, mm -hmm. those sort of things, but kind of like based on where we are today. And uh, what's I think what's fun about this one is um, it's I loved our last series on the the life altering fascinating word of God, mm -hmm. but it's 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 a, it's much more like um, um, you know just teaching and you know there's certain mm -hmm. things that are just true always you know about God's word and stuff, and so here it's a lot it's a lot more conversational and yeah. I've I've really enjoyed thinking about. Uh, some of the things we've talked about that Jesus said and what the scripture says regard regarding these things as we sort of pray, maybe even contend um, for these things in our generation. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the difference between our last uh, series that we did on the life-altering Word of God is that this one maybe is a little more personal. Right. Uh, we're, we're talking about some characteristics that, that would mark not necessarily the the external look of a revival or spiritual awakening in our generation, but the internal. What is what's working in our heart? And I know when I'm revived, I, I find myself, you know, more inclined to be humble, loving, uh, generous, peaceful. So, this, uh, you know, the, those are the characteristics. It sounds a lot like the fruit of the spirit, but it's we're really not necessarily doing a series on the fruit of the spirit. But today we're talking about uh, living in simplicity, a life of. Uh, there's other words come to mind like purity, a clean way of living, simple, uh, direct, uh, as opposed to the other side of uh, complexity and nerve wracking and over stimulated, uh, over um, what's the word where you uh, you you um, volunteer to do more than you're capable of doing, you know, oh, yeah. that, that kind of idea, you know, yeah, for uh, sure. then you just get, you just overextended. get overextended. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think one of the things that we, in this era that we forget is that we have a choice to, um, safeguard and guard things within our life. I, I, I quoted this in one of my books and I'm sure somebody smarter has said it better in the past. And I think it was me. I, th I think I said, probably, I'm not sure what you're going to say, so but I was I probably I'm quoting pretty, you. Pretty sure I said it. But, uh, but I said something to the effect that we are, we're drowning in knowledge, but we're starving for wisdom. Mm. And I think, I think the fact that we have the ability to look everything up and be on every app and every platform and be involved in 500 things. You know, sometimes we forget that um, we don't have to, you yeah. know, that we actually, there are, there are markers in our life that will make our life a better life if we, if we say, no. and it doesn't mean we're like saying throw out your phone or right. don't be involved in things, but realizing that that you there there has to be some fence lines in your life that that keep you at peace and keep you focused on God and your family. I think sometimes we think of revival um, sort of like 
externally from our family life, like almost like God's going to do this great move. And But realistically, I think for me, <laughs> the revival of my heart includes my wife mm-hmm. and my son. I, you know, that's not, so I think if it starts there, um, we have to be, we have to be thoughtful about um, some of the things we're probably going to talk about today, private prayer time. And, and really, I think one of the things we could say is to have simplicity in your life, you really have to have boundaries in your life yeah. to some extent. Not Absolutely. that they're all hard and fast, but there has to be these things where you say, hey, you know, um, when I was a when I was pastoring for us, we tried to make that day Friday. Um, it was some people it's better on Monday, but for us it was like you know it's not legalistic. Not why I won't take your call or, right. but typically we were going to try to make that the day that we didn't get on Sunday and often because of events didn't get on Saturday, yeah. and so that would be our you know and for the richness of our life with God, but also with each other. Yeah, I think just to help clarify. What we're already saying, just to help people move along the lines of what we believe can be helpful to them, is if to be aware of of, of overextending yourself, of the complexities of life, the pressures of life, the anxieties of life. And you know, we've kind of already said two things here. One is boundaries. Uh, just just what what you say no to can be as important as what you say yes to, and then the second thing you're talking about really is a Sabbath taking, and that and that's what the whole, uh, this whole book is, uh, from from the Genesis story all the way to Revelation is is that day <clears throat> where you set apart, you know, and the Sabbath I think is more than just a day as well. It's it's kind of a lifestyle yeah. of making sure that there's rest in your life, and the rest does not necessarily mean you're laying back on a pillow, you know, not moving, but it, but it's take, where the mind has an opportunity to, uh, rather than taking in new content, just to um, live out what God's already given to you and, and be at peace with that and spend time with friends and spend time with family and, and, and do some things that are closer to nature rather than, you know, you, you almost have the, you can, you can almost picture it in a, an electronic world being complex and a, like a pastoral world being simple, like the the idea of outdoors. And even if you live in the city, just like going for a walk where, where there's right. a, a tree-lined street, there's all kinds of ways to to get simple. But uh, I'd say those are two right there for sure, that the boundaries and and uh, that's that's the negative, pulling off things that don't belong, Sabbath, yeah. adding the thing that does belong into your life. Yeah, I think, you know, Jesus clearly says in the New Testament that, you know, that the Sabbath is for the man and not the man for the Sabbath, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's a really compelling statement because obviously in the context he was, you know, being criticized by the Pharisees um, for what he had done on the Sabbath. Obviously, he is the Lord of the right. Sabbath and the yeah. Lord of all, which they didn't recognize. But I, I, I feel like sometimes and maybe this is maybe this isn't the case as much today, but I feel like in times past, especially when I first c- came into ministry, um, there was almost like a, a nobility to um, burning yourself out. You know, like, right. I never see my kids or, you know, I, I don't have time for anything. And, you know, I don't know why that's a badge of honor. I think I think it makes it, you know, feel like we're dedicated to the Lord. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like uh, just like when Jesus sort of rebukes Martha and, and praises Mary, uh, because Mary was sitting at his feet and and Martha was running around busy. He wasn't saying, I mean, there's a time to do busy work. We have we have responsibilities, so we can't cast all of those off. But I feel like man is bent for legalism. Man is bent for activity. We find value 
just naturally in the things we do. Yeah. And I think it's hard for us, you know, in my experience, especially ministers, but I think everybody, everybody um, finding value in the idea of, of rest, finding value in the idea of, of taking a break and Sabbathing and, um, you know, those sort of things. And I, I think it's, it's a shame. And, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know, uh, is, is what Mary was doing, spending time with the Lord. But sometimes spending time with the Lord isn't, you know, researching or exegeting, you know, the book of Proverbs. Right. Sometimes it's enjoying the nature God created and enjoying the wife that he gave you and enjoying mm-hmm. some mindless fun, you know, or something like that. I think, uh, I think it makes us, it makes us healthy. And and I think what you said in the beginning, it's baked right into the beginning of the creation narrative. Mm-hmm. God rested on the seventh day and he commands us to do the same. You know, I don't think it's legalistic about which day it is, but he commands us to do the same thing. He set that standard for us because God wanted us to have that rest, that joy, that that ability. Life's not, you know, just about activities. I don't think anybody at the end of their life is going to say, you know, I wish, I wish I'd have looked at my phone more. I wish I would have, <laughs> wish I'd have engaged in more activity. I think people say things like, I wish I would have spent more time with God. I wish I would have spent more time with my wife. I wish mm-hmm. I would have known my grandkids better. And uh, I think that's, I think that's all kind of tied together. Yeah, yeah. The to, to the to do list. In modern society today, <clears throat> is ever extending. It's longer and longer, <laughs> and uh, you know that's where those boundaries come in, and the intentionality about finding rest and finding relational time with friends and family. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're you know you're not going to grow close. You might, in the complexity of life, you might you know increase your followers on Facebook, but you won't increase the intimacy with people and with God unless you take some time away from all of that busyness. I, I, you know, I also think when we talk about ministering, you know, in the, in the realm of like pastoring, like you and I have, or even just as Christian people who are engaged in the church and ministry and all different facets, I think it makes us a better minister. Simple is better, you know, and uh, instead of thinking we have to be all things all the time, you know, for me, having rest, having a full life, having um, a clear conscience when it comes to my mm-hmm. wife, you right. know, spending time with her. Not, and, you know, there's sacrifices and there's seasons, but I think that's that trying my best to live a simple life um, makes me more effective in the things God's actually called me to. And, and I think we uh, ministers are guilty of it. People are guilty of it. We, we just, it's so easy to add things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to add things. And I, I don't, you know, I say this, but like today when you go somewhere, you know, it says, you know, you bought a cheeseburger today, but if you could have, you know, got your 10th cheeseburger free, if you would add this app mm-hmm. and then you go to some other thing and they want you to do this other thing. And then there's this, you know, other app that you can <laughs> use to, to, for your reading. And, and it just kind of gets into the, where all of a sudden you're engaged in all these activities really that are sometimes meant to make your life better or more simple. And that doesn't turn out to be the case because you're you're full of, of activity. So better rather than mm-hmm. just talking about the specifics, I think it's important to talk about the principle, the principle of being simple. Mm-hmm. Because realistically when you boil life down, there aren't 
many things that matter yeah. in, in, in when, when you compare them to each other. That's right. That's right. Well, you, you were talking about Martha Mary and Mary, Mary. Jesus says she chose what was best. You know, she didn't choose the only thing you have to do in life, <clears throat> but she chose for that moment in time what was best. So you're setting priorities, you're setting boundaries, you're taking your Sabbath day rest. Part of setting boundaries, I think, also is for every time you take on one other activity. It's kind of like one of our former presidents said, uh, for every new um uh, like uh, law or <clears throat> a, a, a new governmental uh, position that was placed on the table, you had to take two away. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. That yeah, yeah, I, don't, I, remember I don't remember that. the details or whatever. And I thought that was kind of brilliant. And you know, maybe we could look at that on our own life. For, you know, for every new thing we say yes to, maybe we look back and say, "Hey, there's one or two things that." have been on my schedule and on my calendar that don't really need to be there and yeah. God really didn't tell me to do it so I could look at taking, you know, at least, at least like staying equal instead of always adding, adding, adding. Thank you for watching and listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Josh and I really appreciate the opportunity to minister to you. If you've been blessed by this, encouraged in the Lord, I would love for you to prayerfully consider generously giving to help support this ministry. You can go to worldchallenge.org and you'll find a donate button right there on the homepage. God bless. Thanks. Oh, I just wanted to touch on also the, because we're talking about some externals, like setting boundaries or looking sure. at your calendar. To, but, you know, I think to look at the heart, which Jesus always did when he was um, speaking to people, you know, he said, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of dead man bones. <clears throat> so I think on this subject as well, you can uh, prioritize well, you can set boundaries well, you can and, and still have a mental complexity that keeps you from the simplicity of of loving God and loving your neighbor. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's an internal look. And I think all these things of, uh, being over uh, taxed, being, uh, being unable to say no to things, always wanting more, adding more to your schedule so that you feel good about yourself comes from an insecurity. I think it comes from an internal sense of I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not succeeding enough. I'm not, uh, I'm not loved enough. I'm not approved enough. So I have to do something, get approval of man. So these are deeper rooted issues that sometimes we face. And I think our talk today is hopefully to encourage people to do some external things of changing schedule and looking at their priorities, but also then doing some internal work, looking at, you know, as Jesus said, look on the inside of the cup, look at the heart and see if there's some things that are driving those other things. You know, the, sometimes the busyness, the hecticness, the uh, overcommitment to activities, uh, overpromising people things <clears throat> come from, you know, people pleasing, which comes from some more internal things of, as I'm saying, that not, not feeling uh, you know, the insufficient inside, in, in, inadequate inside. And so, you know, you don't dare let down. It's it's almost like dangerous. It's like, I can't, you know, uh, you know, Joshua and Gary, what you're saying today is, it's, you know, I know it's right, but it's just, I can't afford to do that. It's just, too, it, it would hurt too much to feel, uh, you know, some people can't even spend time alone. <clears throat> They're just so nervous and anxious and stressed that, uh, you know, just a few minutes alone overwhelms them. They have, you know, have their phone out during the quiet time. And so those are signs of, of some inner, inner wounds and those insecurities, those things like that, you know, they keep feeling that in back. <clears throat> they would, they would come, I would say, even from hurts and wounds we've had in our life. Yeah, so it's strange, isn't it? Though? So you, you can go all the way from the external, like, why are you overcommitted in your schedule? Why are you so, your life so complex and anxiety filled? And then you, you, you peel the onion back. Well, it's out of insecurities. Well, where's those insecurities come from? From hurts and wounds, uh, people 
didn't love you. People, you know, you know father didn't give you any affirmation. There was, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's actually coming, you know, the, I, I'd say some of the solutions to these things are at a deeper rooted thing where the natural fruit grows up out of that would be to ask the Holy Spirit to heal the internal, or number one, I would say even before you heal, to reveal, reveal the, the, the hurts, reveal the wounds. Let me not, uh, sometimes we run and gun because we're trying to avoid feeling those, those feelings. Um, we're remembering those issues. We're trying to, you know, our culture is so good at stuffing things down, just saying, don't, don't approach that. Don't listen to that. Don't talk to that, you know. And then there's the other extreme on the other side that's, you know, you, you, you examine every little thought you've had or every word ever said against you. And, you know, you're, you're navel gazing as they call it. And you yeah. don't want to go that route either, but you do want to look inside and, and let Jesus heal those wounds and you'll find a miracle like uh, wow I, I didn't think the healing of the hurts as I really examined what was wrong in my heart and and I, I didn't see how that would actually change the trajectory of my calendar of, of my relationships of my time how I'm spending my time my priorities what I'm doing what I'm not doing so it's it's a it, it, and that in itself may sound complex, but it's actually quite simple. It's just going to Jesus, laying at his feet and saying, you know, heal my broken heart and touch me. No, I totally agree. It, it may seem like an odd place to go, <clears throat> but in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus says, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And then verse 25 says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Obviously, gospel-rich message about following Jesus, the discipleship, you know, the this idea of dying to self. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, you know, we can think of it in a very like, um, you know, out in the ether kind of way where we're like, yes, I'm, I'm dying to everything for Jesus. Jesus comes first. But how does that really look in your life? Um, and something I used to tell tell guys at Team Challenge was that everything in our life, I mean, including, I'm not saying leave your wife, your kids, but everything, the way we do everything, the way we handle everything has to be laid on the altar to Christ. And there may be, if this is something where your life is crowded and you're anxious and there may need to be a really hard stop and where you reevaluate everything in light of God and the scripture. Mm -hmm. But, but I think, I think what, what the point is, is we're really saying everything in my life belongs to you. Keep the things I don't need and give me back the things I do. So in your, in your marriage, it's like, okay, you know, to me, I used to think being a good husband meant that I was faithful to my wife, that I could provide financially. And, you know, these are external things are important, but I wasn't a very good husband because I wasn't looking at what it, what, how she could really be a priority to my life. And I think once you start doing that with your marriage and your kids and first and foremost with your relationship with God, and then the things that, that have to be added in your life, the things going, being part of a local church. And uh, it's not like saying you can't have other activities or other things, but once that becomes the central focus, I'm, everything is dead. Christ, I'm going to pray that you give me back the things I need inside of you so that I can steward them. Then there becomes a lot, if you're living a healthy life where you actually are focused on the things that matter, you realize that there's not a lot of room for as many things. And I've had people say, well, you know, what about, you know, this with my kids activity and this other thing and this, I'm not going to tell you how to make those choices, but I can tell you for most people in life and many people in the church, 
that there's, there's a, probably a lot of things that you could you could cut out of your life that would make it more simple. And here's the best part. It would make it more joyful. Yeah. It would make it more fruitful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I used to tell people who would come to me when I was pastoring, um, not in some sort of crude way, but they would they wanted to add some activity or some new project or some thing. You know, it, the answer is probably no until we can pray about it, think it through or whatever, because the idea of adding, th- I spent a, a lot of time subtracting things so that we could do well mm-hmm. in my home, yeah. in the church, in the ministry. And so um, there, there may be a lot of things. And here's the most important thing I think we have to hear as believers. Um, not all those things we're saying no to are bad things. Right. Some of them might be good things, but in the scale of the priorities of your life, loving God, loving family, being part of your church, being part of, of a few other things that really matter in your life, there's just frankly not room right. for it for everything. Well, that's, that's good. Making wise choices and being real careful not to add too much and, and you know confronting the, <clears throat> the chaos of life and the confusion of life with uh, the, the peace of Christ, letting letting the simple things come in. Uh, switching gears just a little bit here, same topic, but uh, putting it in the context of uh, the theme of what we're talking about here is, <clears throat> is what, what would be some marks of a modern-day revival for our generation if there was a spiritual awakening in America and around the world? What would this generation be hungry for, the, the, the spiritual hunger and thirst after the things of God? And I think that's what we're hitting on here is is if we are, if we as a Christian community or as a Christian friend or a, somebody that's nurturing or discipling or pastoring somebody or just being in relationship with other brothers and sisters, if we're offering a world of uh, just all activity, all, you know, spinning plates, just, just more and do, and and we're not offering uh, the, the, the quiet, calm, peaceful, joyful life in Christ, then then, then we're going to, I think this generation will bypass us and say, hey, you know, I, I really don't want that all. Uh, I think that's where there's a lot of looking for spirituality in non-Christian church forms, right. you know, like the new age type stuff. or Spiritual, uh, spirituality. Yeah, but not religious. Yeah, I think that all that comes from <clears throat> they're hungry for something spiritual and we're offering them you know, programs and activities and <clears throat> events, it's and, so true. and uh, just and so we we we're buying into the cultural pulls of complexity and overstimulation, and superimposing that into the church. And they come to church, and there's ten things you have to sign up for, and five activities to get involved in. Your, and you know, even you know, I don't want to get into the details of this, but even the complexity of you go to church on Sunday and you're your baby goes to the nursery and your six-year-old goes to the first grade class and your 12-year-old goes to the, you know, the middle school and your high school kids are in another group and you're there with adults and seniors are meeting another night of the week. And, you know, there's just a lot of things going on rather than, and I I do believe if I have my finger on the pulse of this generation to some degree as almost like a spiritual father, I would say that, man, there's a clamoring in the heart for, uh, man, I just want something, something simple. I don't, I don't, I don't want... This thing to be so com- complicated, so real connection, mm-hmm. real connect. Some people n- don't know that they need that real connection with God. Yeah. But in the superficial, app-driven, hey, you're sick. I, we used to bake you something and take it to your house. Now I'll just have something delivered to you. This idea of of genuine and real connection, and I think with 
some of them don't know they need that with God, right. but we need that with each other. It's good. Not for an, not based on an agenda, but just based on, I think that's, I think that's something that people are, are hungry for. Um, that sort of, uh, because complexity, there's really no, no room for that. I won't yammer on about this, but, um, not to unswitch gears, but you know, in times of the past where there was so much work to be done, pre-industrial revolution. I mean, there, you know, the family were in the field, you know, we were, we're doing it all together and, and modernity and, you know, technological advances were supposed to make more time for us. Isn't it interesting that now we have some, a machine that washes our dishes, um, you know, a compactor that does our trash. We get our food from the grocery store. Isn't it interesting that with all the things taken off of our plates, we Mm -hmm. seem less connected than we did before. That's so true. Yeah. And I, th- I think what you're saying is, I think people, non-Christians and even Christians alike are yearning for this, you know, when you you talked about what, you know, happened with your friend in Ashbury, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. few months ago. Um, to, to be able to do something like that, there had to be something happening where you decided, you know what, I'm not going to that soccer game later. Oh, right. and I'm going to blow off the the video game thing I have set up to play this evening. Mm-hmm. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like at some point it's like there's some sort of connection happening here that we just want to stay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> not for any reason. There's no like check marks. There's no sign up list. Yeah. You're not getting credit for it. You know, there's no app. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's just happening. And it's so, yeah. The, and the simplicity of the worship service itself, again, was what, what Paul and scripture advocated for quite often. You know, just when you come together, just, you know, don't, don't let the meal become, divisive or don't drink, you know, you're drinking and there's just all this chaos in the, in the communal gathering. And I, I think we've replicated that in a strange way of, <laughs> you know, the entertainment, uh, poor pastors today, they, they have to compete with, you know, these mega ministries that have, uh, you know, just like the, you know, full on video production teams and lights and sound and, a, you know, a band that rivals anything you'd get from Hollywood, you know, from from uh, Nashville or Hollywood, uh, you know, and just, and, you know, and it's not bad to have that talent or those gifts or using those creative forms. What's, what's difficult is when it becomes like that, like that's the only thing you're doing, you know, so, so Christian leaders are spending all their time to make sure we have the right videos and the, uh, you know, the giving app is that in place where every Sunday we can have them make sure they know you can, here's five ways you can download to give and stuff like that. And it just, I don't know, it's not, not, none of that's bad at all, but it it just, again, you're talking about the, the, the revival at Asbury, you know, it was just, I think what, what I've heard from it is the young people were saying, we finally, we just, we just sat down in church and somebody had a guitar and they were edifying Jesus. And you could hear the congregation sing and then somebody got up and read a, a psalm and then somebody else gave a testimony and somebody else came up and repented. And, you know, it just seems like it's, I think there's always been a longing in every generation since the first to go back to, man, could we get back to the simplicity of the book of Acts, you know, yeah. where where they just, they gave, and there was not a need among them. They met from daily from house to house and in the temple to praise and to pray and to worship. And, Amen. you know, we, we've made church so much more like, 
It's just a replication of the American culture. We we have been deceived into believing that that we have to compete with the world. We're desperately trying to get their attention, yeah. but we're not really aimed at their heart. We say we are, but we, we think that we have to compete with the latest, greatest. Yeah. And the truth is um, some, something real, something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what, and we have it. Yeah. <laughs> we have God's word. We have communion and fellowship with God. I think that's why a lot of churches that I've been exposed to recently um, are really sort of uh, simplifying the mm-hmm. sort of like services of, you know, hey, we're going to have our Sunday service, then we're going to meet in homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's always the exact way, but I'm saying I see sure. a lot of people building relationships and they're coming and they're breaking meals together and they start living their life together almost like it seems like the church should. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of being part of a church where you can sneak in when the worship starts and you can sneak out. Some, somebody knows your name. Mm-hmm. Somebody cares about... Uh, and not for the sake of you know attendance or tithing, but this idea yeah. that that you're known and and you're there's this deep connection. Yeah. Man, if there's anything in this in this culture of we have access to each other in ways we never did before, I could probably find your phone number, mm-hmm. your app, your Facebook. But 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 the idea of of really being connected, we're so connected and we're so not connected. Yeah, yeah and the church is moving us, you know, in parallel to that. In that, you know, it, it used to be they met in homes and broke bread and got to know each other face to face. And then it became more about, uh, you know, an, an attractional model of church, you know, come to hear the, this great speaker and this great band and great video. <clears throat> and, and now it's even, uh, I think for me, sadly, gone even a step further where it's almost all you know, online stuff. Just watch watch this video. Uh, you know, look, look, look on your iPhone. You can download the sermon or download this right. worship service and event. And and feeling like that's satisfactory. Where that's how far removed from that. And you know, uh, almost all Christian counselors or therapists or even pastors or or those who have you know like Barna Group and stuff that have taken surveys of this say that real real life change takes place more one-on-one or in a small group. You know, most people that have had life-transforming experiences, it's been through a relationship. Yeah. And and yet we're moving the church further from relationships into the complexity of event-driven and media-driven rather than personally driven. So um, it, uh, we've actually run out of time. Uh, thanks, Joshua. Good talking with you again today. Let's keep it simple and keep it pure. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see God do some great things. It's, it's amazing what God can do even when we offer them the simple, here's our loaves and fishes, yep. uh, rather than here's our big meal, God, do, you know, we, we don't need you now because we have all this to offer. So, uh, but thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next episode where we'll be talking about being real, genuine, authentic in a superficial age of uh, posturing and posing as, as opposed to being the real thing. Amen. God bless y'all. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time.